0: Welcome to the Midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. All righty. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes. Glad to have you with us on the podcast today. We got Rob Croyle. Hello. And we got myself Logan Daly. And, got me uh, sleepy. Hi Logan. <laughs> And then we got a guest on here today, first time, uh, Cody, I don't know your last name, Cody. Uh, it's Hoopert. Cody Cody Hoopert. Yep. Cody Hoopert. Now, I'm going to describe Cody. He is absolutely jacked, <laughs> making me feel very self-conscious about the size of my biceps or lack thereof. Uh, <laughs> Cody is a personal trainer at the gym that Rob has been going to.
1: And he's a competition lifter.
0: Power lifter,
2: yep.
1: Power lifter,
0: Feeling
2: so self-conscious. Squatted
1: 500 pounds. <laughs> oh my god! All, all at once, mind you. Like I could, squ- I could squat 500 pounds,
0: but that might be my life. Like that might be the accumulation of my squats. <laughs> you guys have me blushing now. Oh, that's perfect. He's also got a really nice looking beard, which, oh, as he, if you know me, I appreciate a good looking beard. So we should probably get a picture of the three of us. Probably should. Probably should. Just for just, the beard's sake. Just throw. The, just for the beard's sake. The early years of ZZ Top. (laughs) Yes! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I like it. I like it. That's excellent. Well, glad you're here, Cody. This is going to be fun. Uh, So today we're uh, diving into our Genesis 2, uh, not Genesis 2, sorry, Genesis 3, Mm. uh, the third chapter, the fall of man. Rob was just raining on everyone's parade on Sunday. Uh, That was a little bit of sarcasm there. A little sarcasm. But uh, we're just gonna dive into some extra stuff that didn't quite fit into his uh, 38-minute sermon. Yeah, not that not terribly long. Not not a record, but uh, also a little little long-winded. I think that's our longest in the new like doing services in our offices. That's probably our longest thus far.
1: Nice. I was feeling it. Let's just
0: you were feeling it. It, (laughs) I, I didn't feel like it was long. It was it was highly highly good. Highly good, Tove mayo I don't know something like that. Anyway, but I did catch there was one shortcoming that I wanted to point out because it was really funny, and <laughs> and Josh Josh Rob's son also caught this, and we had a giggle about it last night. Um, I have no,
1: I see it up on the board. Yeah, no so
0: idea. I and I I put this up Murder, here. Uh, Murder question mark. Murder question mark. Yeah. LOL. Um, when you were describing, uh, so you said right after Adam and Eve. Uh, the curse is handed down and then God creates clothes for them. And you mentioned in there that where where did like what what was the first thing that died? And it was this animal. And then you you said that God murdered the animal <laughs> to create clothing. And I was just like, that's such an odd turn of phrase. I don't think he really meant to say murder. No, I did. Uh, did you? You, you meant oh, to say think, murder?
1: Think about this. Yes. Think about this. Nothing has died. Okay. Nothing has died. As we talk about, Eve sinned. Yep. Right? And surely you will die. <coughs> they don't die, but God has to do... God's got to take the life of something...
0: To make this clothing.
1: To make the clothing. Sure. And so God's... like. If you think in if you think in terms of murder, like, I think this was a heavy moment for God.
0: He's destroying something that he created. He's destroying
1: sure. something that he created in order to protect something else that he values more. It's kind of a
0: murder. I just thought that that was an intriguing. Maybe that's not a shortcoming, then. But I thought it was intriguing, and it definitely caught my attention. And I was going to make fun of you later for it.
1: Well, if it, if it got your attention, then I did my job. Hashtag, well you're welcome. Well played, Rob. Well
0: played. <laughs> we were. Uh, Josh brought up: Is it a murder if it's an animal? Mm. Well, we weren't, we weren't really sure. Don't ask Peter that question. <laughs> we also made some jokes about them. Yes. which I won't repeat.
1: <laughs> That's so good.
0: <laughs> I'll never admit to it. Anyway, yeah. Other than that, I that was basically my only shortcoming that i could pick apart. That's i, I like it. We just like we like nitpicking each other cuz ah. it's more fun that way. Uh keeps the banter lively. <laughs> we're on our toes. We're
1: a lively bunch.
0: <laughs> we're super nice to each other. Uh yeah, and then we got some stuff that you mentioned in the in the sermon that we were going to talk about. Uh so the first one is this this word for naked. Mm. Uh which is arome Yes, uh, And it also has this fun little fact that it is super super similar to another word that is used in Genesis 3. Yes. So the first time we see this word is in actually Genesis 2, verse 25. Uh, and the man and the woman were naked and unashamed. And so we get this uh, erom, which if you look in Blue Letter Bible and you look up the, the term there, uh, when they put it into English letters, it's E-Y-R-O-M. Uh, And I'm trying to pronounce Arum or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then the very next verse in Genesis 3, uh, verse 1, it says, now the the serpent was more crafty than any other beast. Um, And this word crafty is A-R-U-W-M in the English. Now, if you get on there and you play the two pronunciations... I will challenge you to hear much of a difference at all. It's like erum and erum. What? Yes. So if you're listening to this and chapter two ends with erum, and then chapter three starts with, and the serpent was more erum, like that's going to cue you in. You'll be like, wait, wait, what? The serpent's more what?
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's it's a play on words, if nothing else.
0: If nothing else, it's a play on words, just to get your attention. Just to get your attention. Um, And there's some fun stuff that you could probably, probably, I don't know, make some cases for, of that that the author is making, using this play on words to point out something about the serpent, which, as we talked about on Sunday, this is an odd creature, because one, he's talking, right? Like, when was, the, Cody, when was the last time you saw a serpent talk?
2: I don't know if I'd trust any animal that talks. Probably. Exactly. See, that seems like a problem.
0: <laughs> uh, and two, he's walking, which we always picture, because in the curse, he's cursed to crawl on his belly for the rest of his life so that he loses his legs. Ah. So this serpent is walking and talking, which, you know, we threw up the little uh, the picture of the like kid's Bible nursery thing, and it's got the snake up in the tree. Like, well, that's not quite right because he didn't have legs at that point, so he should add legs. Uh, it's actually right. more like Mushu from Milan, <laughs> which is really kind of funny. But so, if anything, it's a play on words, and they're they're making a making a little point there. But this this word "erome" shows up uh, for naked a ton of times in this story, which is really really kind of strange.
1: Yeah, three times talked about naked and. and just in Genesis three, Genesis two at the very end. So you mm-hmm. could count that as four and maybe, maybe count
0: the crafty, the
1: crafty, the snake mm-hmm. as as number five. The it's, it's such a interesting concept, you know, like what is being communicated here? Because why is naked and unashamed? So such a prevalent part of the conversation.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: and I think uh, for me the big takeaway is shame is such a big part of of what we experience through through our failures mm-hmm. and um, and we see Adam and Eve hiding amongst the trees that God created that's I found that interesting God created the trees for food and yet they're using the trees for hiding a little irony a little irony uh, and it's just in the Cody, brought up just kind of our conversation and, and your talk to me about, uh, and it was just happenstance that you mentioned, uh, your sobriety and, and that community is such a big part.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so addiction, my background there is, um, so I'm 30 and I decided to make the move to get sober at age 30 but I had been using eh, substances uh, as coping mechanisms since age 14. Yeah. Um, At a certain point, you get so so deep into it, just the shame of what you're doing. You don't want to be around people. You don't want people to know how deep into it you are. So you isolate, you get away from community. Um, So my big thing of, when I did get sober, uh, rather than just being afraid of everything and staying in and um, hiding all this shame that I had gone through, um, I sought people, like-minded individuals, um, a sense of community, people that could share the shame, understand mm-hmm. where where I'd come from, where I'd been. Um, it just made it a little bit easier to be open about what I'd gone through. Um, Rather than sitting in the shame, which just goes right down that big spiral again where you're isolating, you're not living life, you're just afraid to do anything.
1: What are some of the lies that shame tells you about yourself?
2: Oh, that <laughs> that can be a, a rough one. Um, for, for the longest time, it was uh, believing that I was a bad person. Um Right. Essentially, just because of what the addiction had me doing um, to maintain the addiction, but at the same point you also uh lie to yourself to continue using um sure to okay your behavior justify it um, you use different i guess in the same way that Adam and Eve were misusing the trees as hiding um, you use your own words mm. to. Mask yourself, lie, cover. Um, which, when you do try to get sober, you reflect on, um, and it's just a shame-building thing. So you need to really find ways to get out of that shame and understand, like you're not alone, even in that isolation. Um, I think most people that have been deep in the addiction know the know the shame that each of us actually engages in um
1: sure sure
2: almost the self-loathing yeah uh no no escape there's
1: yeah you are your past you are the sum of all your mistakes Mm -hmm. Uh, no one struggles like this
2: yeah it's everybody else has
1: got this figured out why don't you
2: you always think it's just you right um right and that was the big part of the community that i (sighs) had um outreach to you start hearing these stories that other people are telling and it's crazy. They're, they may not be the same, same story as yours, but you can really put yourself in their shoes and be like, I was in that same exact room with you. I was doing right. the same drugs right. you were doing. Yeah. It's, it's mm-hmm. the same story almost no matter where you go.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so one of my mentors uh, in ministry is senior pastor, Church in Post Falls, which uh, planted the church that planted this church. <laughs>
0: it's like uh, the it's like the grandfather of our church. Yeah, he's the
1: the grand grandpa of our grandpappy. He uh, he's a recovered alcoholic, and he went to AA, and he's like, why is it that people in AA are are way more open, re- re- way more honest about what's going on in the world than, than people within the church. And so when he started the church in post falls, he wanted to create that kind of a culture. where, like, we're going to talk about real stuff. We're going to talk about that. This is a struggle for me. And, and, and he's always been in small groups. Yeah. Within his own church. And people are like, senior pastor talks about real stuff. <laughs> uh and the reality is, if if we're hiding, mm-hmm. there's still shame.
2: Yeah, and a lot of it's, what's that purpose of hiding, too? Um, I think I have, I have a good little example. Recently, I was cleaning my house and found an old bottle of wine, which, mm. to most people, that's not a huge thing. But for me, that was an incredible trigger. And I didn't, at first, know what to do with it. Because there's, yeah, I could pour it out down the down the drain and not tell anybody about finding it. Right. But now I'm just furthering this trend of keeping things hidden. Right. So my move was to call my girlfriend, let her know what happened, have somebody else there to support, um, somebody to know what was going hmm. on. And that way it helps me build... A my own honesty with myself, with the people around me. Um, yeah it just gives me more support around the area. So when I do come across these um, triggers that come out of nowhere, um, I don't feel as alone or isolated yeah when I'm going through yeah. them. but it's it is more um, I guess just being purely naked. Being that exposed Mm. with your vulnerability, um, which is another huge thing that we talk about in uh, addiction counseling is vulnerability. Like Most people see it as, oh, you're kind of being weak. Oh, yeah, for sure. Really, vulnerability is absolutely one of our biggest strengths.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um, That is such a healthy perspective on that.
2: Well, yeah. and Brene Brown is a great person oh. to listen to. Um, <laughs>
1: she has wrecked Talk to world. me about that woman. <laughs> oh, we, we read her books. We watched her videos. I've cried. Uh, she wrecks me.
2: <laughs> but vulnerability Horrible. is, I mean, that's a lot of why I'm so open about my issues is, um, I mean, people do see me, I guess, in the gym setting as this strong guy. Uh, yeah. I like they don't kind of get to see that inward, uh, introspective aspect where I do battle things a lot and <laughs> what i have had to battle to get back to where I am now. Um, I'd rather be much more exposed about that because there is that strength and that vulnerability and it's helped me get past shame. Um, using that shame as more of a strength rather than sure. something I have to hide.
0: You bet. Well, it seems like the, the, what i'm seeing in like your even your example with the wine bottle of this yeah you could just get rid of it and it, i mean that it just it'd be done and and over and taken care of but instead of giving even even the tiniest little inch of ground for for that to maybe Maybe it wouldn't be, that wouldn't be an issue, but something else, you know, if you give an inch here, then something else can creep in and some shame or, or hiding or whatever can creep into this. Instead, you just flush it out with, and we're going to just be really open and we're going to be completely vulnerable in this. And that, that's such a healthy response.
2: Um, Well, and I I like that you say like giving it an inch, um, because it is a... It is one of those things, you start giving it space, and which is essentially how you get to that high level of addiction is nobody comes in being like, yep, I want to use this stuff all the time. Sure. I want it to be my main coping. You keep giving it just a little bit of space and it just takes over. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if pouring that bottle of wine down the drain would have given it that much, but it something I wasn't comfortable enough to do um, without feeling like I was hiding something. Sure.
0: And just and acknowledging that, oh, that would have been hiding something, and then that would have fed shame, which then, you know, the, I think that the shame, it seems, cycles through. Mm-hmm. And we see this that... And I think this is why the, the naked and unashamed is such a big theme in Genesis 3, of this is, are you being ruled? Are you a slave to your desires? Are you a slave to what you've done? Um, or are you going to rule? Are you going to master over it? Um, yeah, the
1: man, my, my brain just running through so many different thoughts right now. Uh, let me say this, uh, you know, Cody, you said, you know, am I, am I a good person? um, you have become, for my wife and I, one of our favorite people in in Missoula because you have such a big heart. You're like uh, you're built like a bear, but at the <laughs> court and you you could be really uh, intimidating. Uh, you have been to both
0: <laughs> to both of us. That makes for a good trainer.
1: <laughs> um, and well that's like before even before i ever talked to cody i'm like that's a big dude and and <laughs> but when when we talk to you you know your heart for people just comes out and uh, i think that's one of the things that may one of the reasons why you're such a great trainer because you push people you you're like you're looking at the whole class and you're always kind of going well what do they need mm-hmm. and uh and you're a sly dog too, but I'll leave that alone. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, you push us, you make us better. But then, there's some things that my wife has struggled with that you've used your experiences to help her overcome some fears and and just just the way you're able just to be in the mess with her in that moment really blessed her and and so yeah are you a good person absolutely absolutely and
2: and that's i mean that's where i like to think now um because a lot of times we do get stuck so much in that past because if i looked at what i was doing a year ago uh two years ago I think people would have different perspectives. Um, mm. But the thing is, people still stuck around me, even through yeah. mm. some of the worst things I'd done, uh, the actions I was doing. So at a certain point, there had to be some good that was still drawing people in. right? But it's so much easier to focus on, like, yeah, I was on drugs like all the time back then, and I was lying and manipulating Um doing these things that people are not proud of or mm. if they really knew, would they really still love me kind of things. Um, mm. They're easy thoughts to get really stuck into, but at a certain point you have to keep pushing forward. Um, what am I doing now to make up for? What am I doing now that is different? Um, I think my girlfriend said the best gift I could have ever gotten her was to move into sobriety and recovery rather yes. than... yeah. Absolutely. Rather than just saying the words and acting like I was going to go through the motions um which had happened so many times before um Right. But yeah, it's hmm. it's always a constant battle um mentally to you can you can have things like as good as that that you hear and you're still like, "Oh, but I did this in the past. It's sure. so easy to get stuck in those thought processes. The temptation
0: to let let that define who you are, as opposed to who you actually like. Who you are is like, no, at your core, you're you're good. And but and yeah, you've done stuff. You've done this, 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 and this. But am I going to let that define who I am? Right. Versus, am I going to let who I am define who I am? You know, which in, in this, like, that's exactly what we see in the story. Mm-hmm. Are are Adam and Eve going to let God define who they are because God said who they are or are they going to let what they've done here define who they are and create shame?
1: Yeah, we took a picture of my ring so that people could see it. I I went through a divorce when I was in Bible school and I think I mentioned last night that mm-hmm. if you want to experience shame, go through a divorce in Bible school, even if you're not the one that wants the divorce and, and I and I didn't. And uh, the ring that I had created for my first marriage, I had that melted down when Christy and I got married, and I designed this cross. And But what I talk about to our, our our people on Sunday is that when I look at this, this doesn't remind me of all my mistakes. This reminds me of what God was willing to do so that I could live at peace with Him and and become the kind of husband that he has called me to and, and that I can move forward. And, you know, each of us, I believe, are created by God with a unique design that blesses and ministers to the world. We don't always live that out well. And what you're describing is a time where you weren't living it out well. And if you look at those actions, you could go, man, that was not good. But when you look at the way you're choosing to engage with community, and, and community is such an important part of recovery. Absolutely, it really is, and it doesn't matter what you're recovering from—this world, addiction, you know, fears, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, but the ability to just go, "I'm done with my past. I'm not. I don't want to live like that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna embrace community." And I loved your your quote that the opposite of addiction is connection?
2: Yep. Um, and that's that's such a huge one that they teach um, in addiction counseling is we can just stop using our substances um, and just be uh, abstinent. Mm-hmm. But in just being abstinent, you're not learning new ways to live. You're not going out into the world, you're still in that isolate of...
1: Not um, dealing with the shame.
2: Yeah, and you're just reclusing. um, Where recovery is about being able to live life still. Um, I can still go out with my friends who maybe they drink, but now I have my own protections in there. Um, I can go out and live in the real world rather than just staying in my house or in the safe community Mm. of what I know I can actually live in the actual community um, hmm. where I can spread like the word of what I'm doing with my life now, how I got out. Um, yeah. If I, was, if I was just living abstinently, I would still be just in my house, um, scared Hiding. to do anything. Hiding
0: from it. Sure. That's, yeah. That's like, uh, oh, this is perfect. So this is on Sunday. Rob put this painting of a tree up on the side of the room. He started off the sermon this way. He puts this painting of the tree up, and he says, I want you guys to not look at this tree during the sermon. And he's talking, of course, he's talking about trees. He's pointing over this direction. He's doing everything you can imagine to make you look at this (laughs) stupid tree. And he said, and every time you do, just take a tally. Take a tally, right?
1: What what was your tally?
0: 14. At least 14 (laughs) times I looked at that stupid thing. I finally moved. I shifted my seat so that Gordon was in the way, and I couldn't see it because Gordon was in the way. Now, I still knew it was there, and I knew if I moved, I'm going to end up looking that dumb thing. Like So what you're describing, like describing this abstinent, you know, if if you're just going to abstain from this stuff and you're just going to hide, like you said, you'd just be hiding in your house, living under the fear of this, mm-hmm. right? It's still going to have control over Absolutely. And it, it's not living in freedom, which is like kind of what we're talking about of... Uh, with Eve putting that tree in the middle of her garden.
1: Yeah, so in Genesis 2, we're told that the tree of life is in the middle of the garden. Mm -hmm. Satan, or Satan, I keep saying that. The serpent, we don't know. We'll we'll get there in a moment. (laughs) (laughs) It never says it's Satan, but we've, in Christian world, We've we've read back into that. We've read back into that, which might, but I mean, that could be true. Could be. But the serpent says, doesn't even mention the tree, but Eve is like, no, we can't eat or touch the tree in the middle of the garden. Yep. And uh, <clears throat> it's interesting because we're never really told where that tree is. Yeah. But in her mind, in her heart, that is in the middle. And I And I find that the things that I struggle with As a as a man as a person, Uh, you know, big one is resentment. I've wrestled with resentment all my life, and and it's there are things there in the middle of my focus. Mm. Uh, I used to be so frustrated about the kids taking out the garbage because they never take out the garbage. Uh, and it's something I grew, you know, my parents kind of made taking out the garbage a big deal. So, you know, I've, I, I tried to make that a big deal, but kids will not budge. And, and finally, God's just like, why don't you serve your family by taking out the garbage? You notice it, just serve them. And
0: so... But dang it, that's why I had kids. <laughs> <laughs> right? <laughs> I, I I don't know. I don't know
1: if that's why I had kids. I mean, I mean that might be why I, you I have... hope
0: that's not why you had kids. That seems like a terrible... <laughs> It seems like a terrible reason.
1: So I had to put something else in the center of my world, and that mm. that was service. The thing, like I couldn't stop being, you know, stop well, having this angst in my life. I had to had to replace it through service.
0: Exactly, and that that concept of and you, you Cody, you mentioned this with you had to replace. You, you have to replace this in, to in recovery. You can't just abstain. You have to replace it with some healthy habits, with community, mm-hmm. right? With connection. Rob, you, you said with, with this, like to replace the resentment that you had fixated on that, that had become the center of the garden, you had to focus on something else instead. Right. Right? Which, you know, for example, on Sunday, the only times that I wasn't looking at that stupid tree was when I was actually focusing on something else. Yes. Might've been Facebook on my phone cause I'm a millennial, but I was focusing on something else. <laughs> that, was, that was a joke. I wasn't on Facebook most of the time, <laughs> but this, this concept of, you know, which are, which are you? Cause, and it's so easy for us to, I think it was the week before when you were talking Genesis two, um, you know, which one of the care group questions is which tree are you going to make the center of your garden? Um, Or, you know, what, are you going to focus on what doing, what is, you know, what God has called you to, the things that are good that God has given you, like every tree in the garden was good for food other than this one that they're supposed to leave alone. But like, which one are you going to, like, which one are you going to focus on? Which is a whole, like, you can make a pro, like, you could see the problem with that. Like, set the, the, the perfect example is like, set the marshmallow in front of the kid, you know, and put all, put all these other things that they can eat around it, but, tell them, don't touch that marshmallow. Like, what are they going to focus on? You know, so there, there might be a little bit of a problem in the story there that we could maybe, if you wanted to dig into, you could find something fun there. But this this concept of, are you going to focus on what's going to lead to life, aka the tree of life, the things that are going to bring bring that sort of joy and that living and that, that connection with God, or are you going to focus on on the one thing that he said not to do.
1: Right. And this, and this is where we brought the tree of life back into the conversation because, uh, when we, we talked with our friend, Marty Solomon, who's the president of impact the U and he's got the Bama podcast and, and he's, he's been wrestling with these concepts longer than we have. And so we sat down and talked with him and he, and one of the things that you and I wrestled over is, well, did Adam and Eve ever eat of the tree of life? Mm-hmm. At the end of three, it seems to say that they they had not. Yeah. But we know in Revelation, it talks about a tree of life, and and the apostle John uses a term kind of out of context. He, he calls it the Zulon of life the Zulon of life, the tree of life, but he uses the word, the Greek word Zulon, which in the in the Greek Septuagint is, I'm told, is only used once. Mm-hmm. And it's used in De- Deuteronomy 21. It says, if a man has committed a crime punishable by death and he is put to death, you and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain all night on the tree, but you shall bury him the same day for a hangman is cursed by God. And so it's the it's the cross. Mm -hmm. John is saying the tree of life, how you get back to the tree of life, here's something different to focus on because Jesus Jesus never talked about the tree found in Genesis 3. He never talked about Ab and Eve and, and the mistake that they they made. He called people to live a different life, which is what you've been called to. You know, you've been called to live a different life for you know of sobriety, mm-hmm. and and so that like, well, <laughs> like is kind kind of, kind of tongue in cheek by uh, the Apostle John, but to use a different word for tree. Mm-hmm. Um, it's only used once in this. Se-
0: that pulls you there. Yeah. That's yeah. Now that Marty also said, and I was trying to remember this last night at care group, and I could not remember what he had said. So we're going to see if you can remember that the tree, uh, the other way to think of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, um, was the tree, the knowledge of, do you remember this?
1: Truth and falsehood.
0: Truth and falsehood. Why can I not remember Truth that yesterday? Truth and falsehood. Yeah. truth and falsehood, which sets up this entire conversation about, because one, one of the issues that I had with the story when I read this and I without just kind of like, oh yeah, no, that's the story, right? Um, but really kind of looking at, wait, what's going on here? Is if Eve doesn't know the difference between good and evil, if she doesn't know right from wrong, then how, how come God is punishing her for eating from this tree if she didn't know that it was wrong to eat from the tree? But what she says before that, like, she knows that she's not supposed to eat from the tree, so she obviously has some sort of right from wrong. So then clarifying that, okay, maybe this is the tree of truth and falsehood is a better way to better way to translate that, a better way to look at that. Um,
1: yeah, when we think about Adam and Eve, obviously we're picturing full-grown adults, mm-hmm. right?
0: Sure.
1: Uh, it kind of reminds me of uh, Christy and I watching a movie last week, uh... 1917. Okay. And there's a scene in the movie, and I won't give it away. I won't ruin the movie for you. But there's a scene in the movie, and you're watching, and you're going, why did those two young men choose to do that? Mm. The video games that you guys have played since you were, what, 10?
0: <laughs> we we young children. <laughs>
1: Yo, know, I mean, I—I I, I assume you guys played Call the Call of Duty, and I've played
0: Call of Duty. You know, a couple of times. Yep. You
1: would never make the mistake that these two young men make in this movie at mm. eighteen, nineteen, twenty—rookie mistake. You would never make this mistake because of your awareness
0: mm. that's
1: been brought. Like those guys didn't grow up playing video games.
0: Sure. Oh, that's a that's a really good point. Okay. So okay. So Adam and Eve, like they're physically grown, but they have no experience. Uh, they have to no draw ex- from on from. They that. have
1: no experience to draw from. Okay. And so maybe this knowledge of truth, truth and, and falsehood is said. is this, it, you know, like she saw it as a source of wisdom. Sure. And maybe it was like. And I think the the big deal there is is kind of like, well, I kind of picture like when kids want to drive, mm-hmm. and they're twelve. And you're like, dude, you need to wait. <laughs>
0: oh, you wait? <laughs> My bad. I'm from Idaho. You should have waited. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, on a farm's different than in city.
0: I I know nothing. <laughs>
1: you know nothing. <laughs>
2: i really like that uh the way you're saying what was the center what tree was in the center for eve versus everybody else and um you know that knowing better um should they have known the right and wrong to eat there and that goes right back to my addiction aspect of um we we had to think really way back what was driving us Mm. in our early stages Mm. and uh What I really learned was I had no coping mechanisms. I was in a house where if you had a negative emotion you bottled it up. Um, My Mm. dad was very much so men don't cry. Um, So that vulnerability wasn't really there. I wasn't able to express emotions or cope with them. And then at age 14 I took painkillers for the first time and it was oh Here's a release. I I don't feel these anymore. Here's an escape. And this works. Yeah, yeah. And it kept working, and it kept working, and then it delved into alcohol. Mm. Okay, this works too. So now I I don't have an experience where if I learned coping mechanisms talking to people, that might have been my outlet at first, but I found this one that was easy, it worked.
1: It was a shortcut.
2: A very, very shortcut. Uh, Yeah,
0: The tree was a shortcut. But a shortcut
2: eventually it stops working is the mm-hmm. issue. And then you go to the next stage,
1: which is interesting because eating was such a big part of the curse. Yeah. Uh, so like I said, that word to eat was used 17 times in this. So this, this it's about consumption, but for sure, um, and he, and you never asked, the serpent any questions. He asks Adam, he asked Eve, and then he just passes judgment yeah, on the serpent. Just comes down on the serpent. Um and he says, On your belly you should go, and dust you shall eat. Yep. That's the first time to eat is used. Um and then to Adam he says, curses the ground because of you in pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles, it shall bring forth, and you shall eat the plants of, like the things that, that uh, that we desired, that we chased after, start to rule us. Mm-hmm. They mm-hmm. start to become the source of pain for us, and you know the coping mechanism. Uh, at one point, is seen as a help, and then it then becomes our
2: master. Absolutely, yeah,
0: um, and you probably start resenting it.
2: You do, um, but you don't know how to get away from it. Sure, it's this. It's
0: kind of a love hate. Like, I I don't like this, but I don't have any choice. But I don't know what to do without it. But I need it. But I don't want it.
2: Well, and that was how how we addressed relapses was always interesting to me too. Hmm. Of people would relapse, and our counselor would be like, "Did it work?" <laughs> and the answer was always yes, <laughs> okay. until.
0: Until <laughs>
1: there yeah it is. yeah oh yeah uh.
2: yep always yes until huh.
1: well now and, and I'll just bring this to the conversation too uh, you know you had trained people you had people with experience you had people that had been down that path of recovery and but then have have training so um it, it's not as if you just replace you know bad company with good company and all of a sudden you know you, you got your dis- like there's insights that people that have walked that path have that been on that journey have
2: and that's why the community is so important to have people and especially like-minded community is where right. i should really emphasize um i have mentors that are <coughs> Ranging, Um, there's people with just as much sobriety as me, there's people with 30 plus years of sobriety that are now in my circle um, that I can talk to. Absolutely. Um, Somebody that's had 30 years of sobriety has been through enough that they know kind of the road that you're about to take on.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. They know the pitfalls. Don't don't turn left there. (laughs) (laughs) Don't turn left there.
2: But um, information was always a really important one, too. Um, you learn about the post-acute withdrawals, which can last up to two years. Um, a lot of people think it's, oh, this isn't working. I'm more depressed. But really, what's going on is your body is healing. Mm. Um, it's another huge impact of the, the drugs and alcohol. Um Lead to essentially temporary brain damage, which is the post acute withdrawals coming mm. out of.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's like for me at the gym, like when you're when you're leaving class, and I'm thinking, there's no way I could do one more minute of that. And you're like, keep going. You know, okay. He's been he's been down this path before because no one starts out looking like the stud that you look like. <laughs> well,
2: and, and the big thing I do for my classes. I would never once come into a class and put somebody on something that I've never done myself. Sure. Um,
1: yeah, you've walked that path.
2: Yeah, everything I teach in class, every structured thing I run, I've done those workouts. Mm-hmm. I've put myself through the the pain of wait, it. Wait, wait, wait.
0: You work out? <laughs> <laughs> Dude could do the Superman.
1: Push-ups. Superman push-ups. Oh. Yikes. In slides, no
0: less. In slot, wow,
1: yeah.
2: I always wear go. slides. Always comfy.
0: There you go.
1: But you know, yeah. When I'm in that class, I'm just like, all right. Cody's been down this path before. He knows what he's talking about. He's. If he and, says
0: I can do it, I can do it.
1: And, and not That's only fine. has he walked up, he's also he's been trained. Like sure. he's. And so there's, you know, there's uh, people out there that do like whatever, whatever. Shame-filled thing that you are facing. There are people that have training, and as a as pastors, we we look to those folks for their training, for their expertise, because we don't always have it. Uh, we bring something to the conversation, but there's other people that that bring things to the conversation. If if you're dealing with addiction, uh, I got some things I could say, but I'm not going to be the only person that's going to be involved in your world. I'm going to rely on those folks that have walked that path more directly that uh, and those folks that have the training, that have the insight, that's, that says, no, this is what the person needs because they've been down that path before. For sure. And there is an expertise that they bring. So that's pretty cool. I'm excited. I'm excited for you, and I appreciate you uh, joining us today and sharing your words of wisdom and it's sharing good. your life and – Uh, I think that's the more important part. Like to have the words of wisdom without the without the relationship, just is not as valuable. So,
2: and I appreciate the opportunity just to speak on things I've been through. Being able to be vulnerable on a bigger platform, it helps me out just as much. So, yeah, Um, cool. I appreciate you guys.
0: Yeah, that was good stuff. Glad you glad you're here. Yeah, cool. Well, we are uh, Genesis four this week. Little Cain and Abel. Yeah. Murder most foul. Murder part two. I, I, I wanted to say that your uh your murder was most foul, but w- it was animal skins, not feathers. Yeah, that's so yeah.
1: That's probably true. I think was, was, I think, uh, <laughs> it was I think the title for this sermon is Murder Part Two.
0: Murder Part Two. Mm. The killing the killing part two. <laughs> I'm just gonna kill it. I'm just gonna kill it this week. <laughs> Absolutely. There's gonna be so many bad jokes. Anyway. Yep. Glad that you could join us. Uh, we'll see you next time on another episode of Footnotes. Peace. Catch you on the flip side. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge, please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed and that you'll join us again next week for more Footnotes.